John Henry has been an emergency responder, entrepreneur, is married to an entrepreneur, has been a ward counselor, an election reformer, mayor, and in 2018 was elected as the chair of Durham's regional council. In 2022, John Henry believes that he is still the best choice to be the chair of Durham's regional council, running on the four platforms of broadband for all our communities, supporting our agricultural community, dealing with the challenges of homeless, mental health, and addictions, and preparing the region post-pandemic recovery and the expected doubling of our population by 2051. John Henry, thank you for being here with Exit 425. Well, good afternoon, Steve, and thank you for inviting me today to Exit 425. Why do you want to be the chair of the region of Durham? You know, it, this is an exciting time for Durham, and uh, I was excited when I was the mayor of Oshawa, and I was able to bring uh, some much-needed change to Oshawa and grow our economy, and then the opportunity uh, here at the region came with the passing of Roger Anderson to really look at the region and where we could go. So taking some of the best practices we had developed in Oshawa and applying them to the region has been incredibly successful, and I'm proud to say that uh, being chair has given me uh, the opportunity, along with council, to increase jobs. You know, there's help wanted signs in all of our communities, uh, increase uh, residential development, and Durham has now become a place of choice for for residents who are moving into our area and for our residents here. There's so much excitement happening, and uh, I'm proud of the of all the work that council has done, not just in Clarington but across the entire Durham region. It's a good sign when uh, young people particularly are growing up and, and able to stay in their own community or own region. What have you done both in and out of office to make life in Exit 425, Clarington and Durham better? Well, you, you know, in my personal life as a, as a business person and being able to support charities for a number of years, uh, my work as a Rotarian for 33 years throughout uh, uh, the Durham region uh, and beyond because Rotary supports initiatives uh, outside of Canada as well, especially the Polio Plus campaign, which I'm incredibly proud of to be a part of. And I think uh, if you look at the region, uh, just having a vision for where we can where we can go, and uh, that excitement. I had, had a great life here, raising my family and my kids. And my wife had a business here. I had a business here, and looking at it as an opportunity and extending all those opportunities. And and you know we're winning, not just in Clarington, but in all eight municipalities right now. We have construction in all eight municipalities in Durham Reach, as far north as Beaverton. And that's exciting. We're investing. We're doing the right things. Uh, with help of the communities, we won the argument on the removal of the tolls on the 412 and the 418. With help of the community, we advocated and we were able to get the GO Train extension that was committed and promised through the Treasury Board. And that work is ongoing as we speak and uh, get it all the way out to Bowmanville. So I think. What I'm really proud of is working together collectively as communities to really advance our region. And you can see that. Um, the investment in healthcare in Clarington, the $37.5 million that the region has put into, into that hospital, the largest commitment we have ever made uh, went to uh, the expansion of the Bowenville Hospital. The, the money that we're putting into hospice as a partner, the work we're doing on the GO Train with transit-oriented development has been uh, recognized as one of the best transit plans in the Metrolinx program. I'm proud of that work. And then, of course, our on-demand transit, taking transit to every corner of Durham region is really an exciting story because Durham is so large and so rural. 
and being able to get an on-demand transit system out to places like Kendall or North Ornal um, is really, really a good story. Having spent uh, a year up in Cannington as administrator for the high school there, I saw the Durham transit buses all the time. And it was nice to see that even up there, there was access to Durham transit. So, Well, in, in the other part related to ta- transit is that the region's commitment to being net zero in 10 years is an exciting story because our next purchase of buses will be uh, diesel buses, uh, diesel electric hybrids. Uh, on our goal to being to electrifying our fleet, and uh, I'm proud of the work that council has done, because as a, as the chair, I have one vote. It really takes an entire team of council behind you and staff to make things happen. In the Exit 425 YouTube video, Exit 425, the reasons why I mentioned that development feels like what cable and internet companies do to us. The newest customers seem to get the best deal. Most people have moved to Clarington and Curtis, particularly due to the relative price of buying a new home, proximity to everything, and the open spaces. You said in an interview with Exit 425 that anything that is not protected by the province is likely or could be developed. John Mutton told Exit 425 that Durham is going to be paved. In the same interview, John spoke about the issues related to some types of housing development. How much influence do you have as regional chair over what Clarington will look like in 20 years? And what do you envision for Clarington and for Durham? Well, 80% of Durham will never be developed because it's in the Greenbelt. And that is a great story for our residents. Uh, The lands that are outside of the Greenbelt, the White Belt lands that were on the borders of our communities that were once farmed, those farmers have taken the opportunity and they have sold those lands to developers and they will be developed. But in the planning process, the important environmental parts of those communities will still be protected and the public planning process will take care Uh, take care of that but not all of Durham is going to be paved over parts of Durham will be paved over Um, the province has their plan it goes back to places to grow that was developed in 2000 and 2005 I believe that really set the the pace for development and here at the region we're doing that in a in a planned manner as Clarington right now as the fastest growing part of Durham region as we speak planning is key when the municipality does their planning at the local level for development, it's their opportunity to make sure that the trails and the parks and everything that's needed to support those houses that come that comes into your community is built. Uh, with transit-oriented development plans around the GO stations, not only in Curtis but in Bowenville, will bring a different way of development because we'll be building those communities around the access to the GO train. So they'll be walkable, there'll be trails, there'll be connectivity that is different than using an automobile. And of course, preparing to deal for the future with the electrification of vehicles and making sure that the project on the small modular nuclear reactor project in Clarington is key to making that happen and the jobs that are being created as we speak right now. So my vision for Clarington as the rest of the region is a place where young people choose to come here because the opportunities to raise their family exist. That a job that pays a living wage will be here for them when they get here. And you can see some of that happening now. Um, Companies like Kubota and Toyota and General Motors reopening. You see Help Wanted signs up all over Durham region, not just in Clarington, but in Oshawa, Whitby, even in the northern parts of our region and in Brock and in Uxbridge and Scugog. So it's an exciting time in Durham. 
Um, and you know, it, it's, you know, I'm a little bit older and, you know, we really haven't seen this, this much, uh, employment since around 1980. And I'm really excited that when you drive by General Motors and you see a help wanted sign, when you drive by the steel plant in Whippy and you see a help wanted sign, and when you see the postings in, in municipal government for, for people f- that have specialized trades or, uh, specialized skills, that's an exciting time. And, uh, you know, the other part too, and I always say this, even though my daughters don't live in this community, I want to build a community that my children choose to move back to, not because my wife Kathy and I live here, but the opportunities exist for them to have the same kind of life that Kathy and I have had. Will residential development improve tax burdens for residents or will only commercial and business development achieve that? I, the, the only thing that will help us is the residential base can be lowered if we can provide enough uh, of the alternative type of, of industries here. So the development of the corridor along the 407 is key along Highway 7 um, to continue to, to maximize that. Um, that is the way to get back to where we were 25 years ago when the automotive industry was, was the major employer in Durham region. Uh, Durham was... Uh, really the place that motivated Canada, and we still do that. Um, However, we've changed that base since then. Automotive manufacturing is a huge part of the economy of Durham, but the other industries that have taken over, and, you know, we're now the energy capital of Canada. Um, You know, over 30% of the lights in Ontario are kept on by the, the generation of power in Durham region. We've become a center of excellence for education at uh, Ontario Tech, Durham College, and Trent University. And our hospitals are, be- are second to none. And our cancer center located in Oshawa services not only Durham, but in the areas outside. So we've got all these things happening. And if we continue to grow our region and, and, and attract those businesses to our community, we can help offset the cost related to residential property tax base. As the area grows in population and in commercial and industrial growth, what do we have in Clarington, from your perspective, uh, what do we have that we need to exploit? Oh, first of all, all of Clarington is, a, is an amazing place from the downtowns of each of the communities. Uh, Clarington, um, I think, has more downtowns than probably any other part of the region of Durham. When you look at all the festivals that goes on, so there was the Harvest Festival just last weekend. You've got Apple Fest coming up. You've got um, an amazing waterfront um, uh, on Lake Ontario, and, and I know we will talk a little bit about that further down uh, in this in this meeting. But um, and your agricultural community. Um, when you look at uh, agricultural and farming, and the the places where families can take their kids to pick pumpkins or pick apples. Uh, and enjoy all those experiences. So agritourism, your waterfront, your downtowns, are all, all will and continue to play a key role in your communities. From time to time, with any level of government, there are suggestions of corruption. With municipal politicians, the corruption is usually related to developers. What assurance do residents have that you're not unduly influenced by developers? You know, that's a very interesting question, and I think um, the election results in this election, you'll see that the highest contributor to my campaign in this election is me. I believe so much in my community that I'm actually um, funding part of my campaign uh, that uh, so that I can get my message out about how great this region is. 
I believe in it enough to do that. So the question to you is if I'm willing to fund my campaign at, at the maximum or close to the maximum, then that should show you where my beliefs are. The first day of a new council is like New Year's Day in terms of new opportunities to make important changes. What will need to happen with Durham Regional Council as we move into a period of rapid population growth? So um, what's going to happen here in Durham will happen before everyone is sworn in. So we've been working with the clerk here at the region uh, to devise a plan. Um, hopefully I'm here to make sure it's executed, but there'll be two days of training for, for the new regional councillors. It'll take us on a tour of some of our facilities. It will bring them up to speed on our finances, um, what's going on with our uh, homelessness and uh, addictions and mental health challenges that we're having in the region. Two complete days of pre-training before council be sworn in. So once we're sworn, sworn in, um, things start immediately and we'll get right, right into the budget process for next year and move on. The pre-training and having staff, having counselors ready to go, having them meet the staff here at the region is key to the first few days of the new campaign, and that will happen almost immediately. How is the relationship between Durham and Clarington? Does anything need to change? Um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say I work hard to maintain a good relationship with all eight municipalities. You will find that I'm often in each of the communities meeting with and talking to not only the politicians, but the residents. You can find me at, at festivals, uh, at, their, at fall fairs. You can find me at plowing matches. You can find me at, uh, um, you, and, uh, um, up at the uh, agricultural communities in the northern part of the region. Or you can maybe find me at a tractor pull somewhere in Durham region. But that always allows me the opportunity to interact with the, the councillors, the local councillors in the area, the councillors for each of the municipalities and the mayor. Having a great open dialogue, uh, knowing that they can pick up the phone and call me anytime uh, if they have a particular problem or challenge. And uh, building those relationships, uh, I can tell you that the, during COVID, it was incredibly important to continue to build those relationships to make sure that all eight municipalities got the, the services that they needed during those times. But really, I think the key was what happened during the tornado that went through uh, and started in, uh, in really in Uxbridge, but affected all eight municipalities. And how the mayor could feel free to pick up the phone and tell me about his challenges and how we were able to navigate all of those problems over the phone, get the appropriate staff to each location, and then a phone call from me to each of the other seven mayors to see how their communities had fared during the tornado, what did they need, what supports did they need. And that, that comes from building relationships, that knowing that you can have that dialogue and when there's a challenge, I can pick up the phone and talk to them. Or when they have something that they need to talk about, they can pick up the phone and reach me right away and we can have that conversation to make sure our residents, in this case, uh, got the supports they needed to maintain their safety and well-being. Clarenton is the fourth largest municipality in Durham but has fewer seats than Pickering and can be easily outvoted by any combination of Brock, Uxbridge, or Scugog, with barely half of Clarington's population between them combined. What uh, can happen to change that imbalance? Well, the process is already in place. So um, here, there is a, it is a, a bylaw that we have to review this every 12 years, and we need to look at the, um, the distribution of regional councillors 
through um, through the region. So recently, in the last uh, the last review that we had done, Oshawa lost two members of council because sizes had changed, and they were redistributed to other parts of the region. This process is is set by bylaw, and we will continue to do that, uh, working together collectively to get your message out with the. Uh, the strong mayor and councillors coming from those communities helps. And of course, I'm I'm elected regionally wide. I'm, I'm actually the only truly elected regional councillor because I don't serve as a local councillor or regional councillor in the communities. I'm elected as chair, which allows me to look at each community upon decisions and cast a, cast a vote. Um, so I, I think uh, the change that's been put in place by... Uh, the council, the previous council to this one for the review, uh, is a good good start, and that will happen again. Um, not this term, but in the next term of council, that review will start to take place again. Describe uh, your vision uh, for the Curtis Lakefront between the sewage treatment plant and the provincial park, industry park, residences like Grimsby on the lake. What role could the region play in expediting that development and what interest does the region have in the development of that area? Well, we're very interested because the region also owns a parcel of property down in that area. And that piece of property that we own, we're looking to develop as a, a high-end type science type park to support our, our work around nuclear. And that is in the process now. And I've met with the owners and the, of the lands that you're talking about to talk about their visions. And I've met with Mayor Foster to talk about uh, the vision of council and the direction they want to go. So we've started. The initial conversation has already taken place. I know that the owners of the lands that we're talking about uh, are keenly, um, keenly and uh, would like to get started right away on some form of development. It'll be initiated through the local planning process. And then there again, the region is here to support, help, and do what we can to make sure that uh, Clarington builds the waterfront that their their dreams of their dreams, what they want to do. And uh, there again, planning starts at the at the municipality municipal level, and then we continue to advocate at our level for all the things that you don't see and all the work that needs to go on underground to support that water, sewer, uh, street lights. Um, making sure that we have enough um, police, paramedics, uh, supportive services uh, to support the community as the growth goes. And I'm proud of where we are. And uh, I think the future for Clarington is very big. And I know that the mayor has a big, bold vision for what he sees down the road. And I'm sure that that will be happening in the next term of of council. So I'm excited for the people of Clarington. They deserve the same waterfront that we have in all the other five lakeshore municipalities. Under your leadership, what role can the region play in advocating for improved non-automobile access to the area south of the 401 in Curtis? Well, you know, there again, uh, we have a regional cycling plan that is that is part of that. Um, the work that we've done on getting the GO train out there and making sure that our transit-oriented communities are connected uh, continued improvement to Durham Region Transit is key, and that evolves every day. Um, we're trying to meet the needs of a transit system over 2,500 square kilometers and to all the corners of Durham Region um, is key. But the effective public transportation will go a long way, and then a connected community, whether walkable or uh, through cycling. 
The anaerobic digester in and of itself is not a bad thing, but any addition to the presence of an incinerator and sewage treatment plant seem like an odd mix with the development of OPG headquarters and other hoped-for development at exit 425 in Curtis, notwithstanding also the municipal waterfront park. What are your thoughts? Well, if you look at the communities throughout uh, Durham region, you'll find that they have regional infrastructure located on their waterfronts, uh, either pumping stations, uh, um, sewage treatment plants. Uh, in some areas, we still operate the sewage lagoons um, and community wells. So I understand the importance of trying to make that work. And you're right. The anaerobic digester is, is an excellent concept. The ability to turn green bin waste into natural gas is a good story, renewable natural gas. Uh, that process has stopped. Um, it is, uh, it was, uh, when the region found out what the, what the cost escalation had, had gotten to, it be, had become unaffordable. So going forward, we do have to find a way to deal with our green bin waste. Uh, the last thing it should be doing, we should be doing is sending it to the EFW. And um, there are better uses for for green bin and, and natural gas is a great way. And also the byproduct and the compost has used too. So going forward, we're going to have to find a way to do this. I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversations of council and the plan on where we're going and how we're going to manage this. And uh, it'll be a big part of the conversation um, with the next council. But the challenge we have in Ontario is that there is uh, so much growth and no more landfill. They talk about landfills being completely full in 10 years. So finding ways to manage this product and get ahead of this is the only way that we're going to make it work. You know, it's, it's we have an excellent project right now that's that's going on and stopped, and it's a test project in in Clarington, in Newtonville, on on using the byproduct uh, of of the of your blue bin and using it for a road base. We've got this test project on now. Uh, the ministry is inspecting it as, as we speak, but the potential to use uh, glass and some mixed plastics in road-based construction is just one way we're looking at getting rid of some of the things that are in the blue box, so it's not going to the incinerator or trying to find a, some landfill that will take it. And certainly landfills are not a very good option at all, uh, apart from mining them many years later, uh, digging a hole and, and lining it, you can put all kinds of technology in there, but it's still basically a hole in the ground and you're just putting the garbage in. To find other uses for those products that take advantage of the energy that's built into the product um, is a much better, much better solution. You're absolutely right. But what I'm really proud of is that this council endorsed the mining of a landfill site in Blackstock, where we actually reclaimed all of the, the, um, garbage that was put into the ground, removed the hazardous materials, removed the tires, took the recyclables out of the ground, and, and literally turned that, that ground back into the way it was before the landfill sites there. We didn't mind it, mine it to create space. We mined it to create green space. And I'm very proud that that worked out um, incredibly well. Now we're still monitoring the land because the Ministry of the Environment says you have to monitor the, that land. But it is possible to turn landfill sites back into space that can be used again. And the Blackstock example is, uh, is unique and it's been recognized across this country. What sets you apart from the other candidates in this election? 
Well, I, I think for me, it's the experience uh, in my private sector life that prepared me for the challenges that we've had. You know, having a background and being trained as an industrial firefighter and a rescue driver, a rescue diver gave me um, the skill set to manage the challenges that we had with COVID. Um, knowing uh, what happens when you declare emergency and uh, where you need to go. And those skills were incredibly valuable when the tornado went through Oxbridge and the storms went through Burkton and uh, Caesarea and uh, Blackstock. And other, all parts of the region were, were touched, but those areas were, were greatly affected. The four years I had on council repair, you know, prepared me to be mayor, and the eight years I had as mayor prepared me to be regional chair and, and understand the processes of what needs to be done at the municipal level. Having four years of regional chair experience has given me that skill set to work with the province and the federal government. I'm, you know I'm an independent. I'm not tied to a political party. I don't carry a card to any, any one party at all. And by being an independent, I'm able to, to act um, without any challenges with both the federal government, who happens to be liberal, and the Conservative Party happens to be in the province. Uh, I'm not part of it, so I can work with them, meet with them without uh, any form of repercussion or challenge. I think navigating all of that and then proving that, um, you know, council, there's 28 independent people that are there that have their, their own thoughts and navigating a council meeting and making it work and making it a function is really a, a key of, of management. And I think the, the years I had is in business of uh, being able to deal with large sums of money and manage people is really important. You know, in the first first year of this council, we cut $100 million of future expenses by eliminating a building that was supposed to be built here at regional headquarters adjacent to this one. By using the technology that's available today and changing the way we do business, taking that forecasted $100 million out uh, is a great example of how you can use uh, the things that you have learned. And, uh, and nothing happens, just me. You have to introduce it to council and you have to get the support of the 28 people other than yourself because council is made up of 29 people um, and making it happen. So I think I've shown that over the last four years where we've been during the most difficult time in the history of this region, ultimately the history of this country since World War II. The region has continued to deliver all of the services needed um, that, that, are, that our residents depend upon. And we were still able to do it. Uh, we didn't close. We were open. Um, you know, one of the things that, that we did that I'm really proud of was with everybody home with COVID, uh, we were able to manage the challenges with the increase into our transfer stations. And how we managed that was, was, was key to part of the success. The work we did with our health department through Dr. Kyle and Dr. McTavish, getting, um, getting all of our uh, injection sites for COVID vaccines set up and done. Um, you know, th there is a lot of work that goes on. And, and I think during these four years, I've, I've, you know, I, I've lived by my track record, and I'm very proud of that. John, thank you so much for being part of Exit 425 again. And uh, thank you for taking the time today to speak with Exit 425. Well, Steve, I thank you for the questions. And uh, Durham is one of the greatest places in Canada to live. And it takes uh, work from all of us to continue to grow it and make it a place where, where we can raise our children and bring our grandchildren and create the jobs and opportunities that were here when we were younger, and we're doing that. So thank you for the, for the opportunity to be with you today, and, and I wish you a wonderful, safe day. Thank you. 
If you have any other questions uh, or suggestions to make to John Henry, check his website, electjohnhenry.com, or email him at johngenry at rogers.com. You can also contact him uh, by phone at 905-410-2419. Find information in the Exit 425 group about the municipal election and all of the candidates. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exit 425. Please like and subscribe on whatever platform you use. Our mission is to provide substantial information and education that goes where you want. Exit 425 is a production of Studio 38 Audio, copyright 2022. My name is Steve Ray. If you have uh, questions or would like more information about Exit 425, join our Exit 425 Facebook group or email me at exit425401 at gmail.com. (laughs) 